Anyway, we're talking about Romans. And is that presentation open, Marty? You mean you clicked on the, the keypad? Did you shut it instead of? All right, pause the recording, please. Pause, 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 pause. Yeah. Right there. Okay. Now, we're talking about the book of Romans. We're in chapter 8. It's, it's been a little while since we've been here. But chapter 8 is one of the densest sounds good is one of the densest chapters in the book and, and it's transitioning into the life in the spirit which is where we all want to be right you know uh, we only got as far as verse 8 but I want to start in verse 5 this week uh, well just as a quick review I'm going to read the first four verses uh, just so you know for the sake of continuity there is therefore now no condemnation verse 1 to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now we found out through the first seven chapters of this book that that's what's wrong in the world today is the law of sin and death. That it is stronger than we are. We found that out in chapter 7. It will, it will break your will. If, and if you try to live the life that God wants you to live just by the force of your willpower, you can't do it. You don't have what it takes. But God has given you that, that you know, the law of sin and death, the law of sin wars against the law of your mind and takes your mind captive eventually. You know, you, you, you just set yourself about certain things. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it again. I'm not going to do it again. But Eventually, it wears you down, and you, end up, and you end up doing it again, and you end up frustrated. And that's what a religious life is really a frustrating life, and it's not a satisfactory life. What we have to do is learn how to let the Spirit control our lives. There is a higher law than the law of sin and death, a more powerful law than the law of sin and death, and it's called the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Verse 3, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and on account of sin, he condemns sin in the flesh, so that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So just consider that a minute. If you were walking in the Spirit, if you succeeded in successfully walking in the Spirit all the time, you would fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. In other words, you have to step out of the spirit and into the natural before you sin. And if you don't do that, you'll never sin. You say, well, I don't know anyone who's ever got there. Neither do I. But that's the goal, right? I'm not going to tell anybody it's impossible because I can't find that in the Bible. This, this actually says different. The righteous requirement of the law is fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. What God wants 
the world to see that the world that's living under the law of sin and death, what he wants them to see in his people is how we're supposed to live, how he created us to live. Remember, you know, there's scriptures. I didn't know I was going here, but I am. In, in John chapter 14, in Jesus's, well, just before he's about to be arrested, as a matter of fact, John chapter 14 started in the upper room where they had the Last Supper. They had already had the Last Supper. Judas was already gone out to portray Jesus. And Jesus was given, as it were, the last marching orders to his disciples before they went down into the Garden of Gethsemane, which was chapter 15. And he began preparing them for his departure. But he told them, first of all, he began, uh, he began saying, I'm going back to the Father. And they were asking him to show us the Father. And, and some, Philip asked him that. And Jesus said, have I been so long with you, Philip, that you don't know me? He said this, if he has seen me, he has seen the Father. And then he went, so in other words, Jesus came to show us because, you know, a lot of religions, different religions think they know what God is like. If you want to know what God is like, look at Jesus. But then he said something amazing to his disciples. If you believe in me, the works that I do, will you do? And greater works, why? Because I'm going to the Father. Point being is because he was going to the Father and because he was going to bear the penalty for sin and because he was going to take his place as the intercessor or the go-between between God and man, he was now clearing the way for the Holy Spirit to be in us. He said, I'm going to send you another comforter. Now, I taught on this. Some of you have heard me, but it won't hurt you to hear it again. When he said another, if you look at the original language, he means a different one of the same kind. In other words, what they heard him say is, first he told them, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. The Father's just like me. But I'm leaving, but it's okay because I'm sending you another comforter who's just like me. Just like me. He is with you, and he's going to be in you. That's why he was able to say, the works that I do, will you do also. So in other words, what God wants people to see is when we walk in the Spirit, we can say, you want to know what God's like, look at me. Does that sound arrogant? He told us, he told us just before he left in Jack's chapter 1, when he told him to wait, don't go anywhere, don't try witnessing to anybody, don't do anything. You stay here and wait until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you will be my witnesses then you will be my witnesses. In other words, you don't do this on your own. You don't do this in your own strength. You do this by the power of the Spirit. So that's what we're looking to do, right? Just li and, and your life is a witness if you're living in the, on, in, in the Holy Spirit. All right, quick quiz. How do you know if you're in the Spirit? How do you know? What's... what's how can you tell if you're in the spirit or not? Well, see, that's kind of... Yeah, I knew you were going to get it. Yes, the fruit. Love, joy, peace. When you lose your peace, you lose your joy, you lose your patience, you get agitated, you're moving into the realm of the natural. If you're full of joy, full of peace, full of love, full of patience, full of temperance, full of kindness, full of gentleness, meekness, all those good things, you are in the spirit. It's not some, super, well, it is supernatural, but it isn't some spooky, like, kind of a life, you know. You're just flowing in the nature of God. And you're always having more compassion on people than you are for yourself.
That's how you know. That was worth the price of admission right there, you know. Okay. All right, uh, so we're going to get to, we're up to verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, and this is, this is we talked about this last time, but it's, like I said, it's been a while. You can use, we can stand the review. Those that live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh. And those that live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. Where your mindset is, that's the whole thing. That's the whole battle. That's the whole warfare. Where do you keep your thoughts? Right? For to be carnally minded, carnal, it's just natural, right? To be naturally minded, just to think in, in, in everything logically. But what? How many know faith isn't always logical? Right? And how many know the spirit knows more than your mind? He can lead you to do things that don't make sense to your mind, but if you learn his voice and learn his fruit and understand how to flow with it, you'll understand that God knows all the variables, and, and he knows what's best for everybody. You know, the, there's a scripture, uh, I forget where it is, it's in uh, Proverbs. It says, there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end is death. It may look good, don't mean it is, Okay. So we want to. So the, the the deal is to stay spiritually minded. Verse seven: The carnal mind is an enemy of God. Enmity. That's what it means. It's an enemy of God. It's against the nature of God. Well, you think about it. What's 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 the number one trait of a of a natural human? Just natural, unborn again, for the most part. I would have to say it's selfishness. Me me before you. That's that's. That would be the number one description of a, of a natural mind. i got to get mine before somebody else does. Right? Think of how that contradictory that is to Jesus. Think of how contradictory it is to God. He loved, so he gave his son. He put himself before us. I mean, he put us, I'm sorry, I said that backwards. He put us before him. And, you know, if you're in the spirit and you really are living by faith, and I'm going to talk about that for a second here, you don't worry about yourself, you know, because you know that God's already got you covered, right? You know you can afford to prefer others. Romans, I skipped one. So then those that are in the flesh cannot please God. Now, I made mention of this, and we, I, we, we probably talked about this last time, too. Um, so there's two things that say we can't please God. If we're in the flesh, we can't please God. Romans 8, 8. And uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7 said that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So... And then the other commandment is love. So I, I've said this to you before, but it's important to remember. Living by faith, well, the Bible says faith works by love, right? So if love isn't the motivating factor behind faith, it's not faith at all. You know, a lot of people have taken a word of faith message and mixed it with selfishness and, and given it a really bad name. You know, but 
faith is, works by love. Faith is always motivated by love, and love has no problem. One of the descriptions about love in 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter, is love what believes all things. So love never has a problem believing. So you're walking by faith, you're walking in love, you're walking in the spirit. They're all three the same thing. You're doing those things or you're not doing any of them. Right? I mean, love is a fruit of the spirit. So those that are in the flesh can't please God. Well, and, and going back to verse 4, the righteous requirement of the law. You want to live holy before me? Here's what you got to do. And it's like, we can't do that. That was the whole point. That was, you know, that's what we talked about in chapter 3 and chapter 7. That was the whole point of the law. Not, not to give us a righteous standard to live by, but to show us that we're incapable of it. Or as uh, chapter 3 and verse 20 said, by the law is the knowledge of sin. It just came to show us it was the, the commandments were a diagnostic tool to show us how, how bad, how deep our problem was. That we couldn't do it ourselves. The sacrifices were types and shadows to point the head to the one who finally could, would do something about it, the Lord Jesus Christ. They were representations of him. Just as the communion is a look back on what he did for us, the sacrifices under the law were a look ahead to what he was going to do for us. But they were just teaching. They were schoolmasters, Galatians says, to bring us to Christ. So those that are in the flesh cannot please God. And I want to show you this why. I'm going to... In, in 1 John chapter 5 and 19, if you want to know why the world is so messed up, you don't have any look any f further than this scripture right here. Right? We know we're of God, and the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. So don't expect them to ever do the right thing. I'm surprised when they do. Why, and why do you guys suppose, I know you guys like to go out and share the gospel, why do you suppose you get such pushback against that? Well, there's your answer, right there. Don't look at the people aren't your problem, though. Remember that. We, you don't wrestle against flesh and blood. They have a problem. They're not the problem. You're the answer. You have the answer. They have the problem. They just don't know it yet. Over in Ephesians chapter 2, he said, You he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins. You know, God's perspective on death is different from people's perspective on death. You know that? You know, we know people that died in the Lord, they're not dead. <laughs> they're not dead. But people that are walking around separate from the Lord are dead. They're walking dead. You were dead. They are walking dead people. From God's perspective on death is anything that isn't connected to him because he's the source of all life. So if you're not connected to God, you're dead. That's, that's simple, right? So it said, you, he made alive, who were dead in trespasses and sins. Here's what I want to get to, though. But in, you, in which you once walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the children of disobedience. I mentioned before that for some reason, the Lord didn't give us much of a revelation about de the devil and demons in Romans, but... So, so we can look to other epistles and plug them into what he's saying on Romans. So if you're walking according to the flesh, you can't please God. Well, why? Because you're walking according to the natural realm. You were out there in the realm that, that is completely under the sway of the wicked one, that it's not going to get any better. The only thing that can fix it is major revival, major awakening. 
the only thing that can turn the tide of, of our culture. But, you know, the scripture is pretty clear. I believe we're going to see tremendous revivals in the last days. But I also believe that those parts that the revivals don't touch are going to reach a level of darkness that we can't even comprehend yet. Because right now it's heading there so fast it's, it's, it's mind-boggling. If you dwell on it, yeah, you've got to... Yeah, so what you want to do is, is uh, have, have a bit of a prayer meeting before you go. Because, you see, um, 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, The God of this world has blinded their minds so they can't hear it. So you, what you want to do is take authority over him before you go. <laughs> right? You, you want to you want to you want to break his power over 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 the people before you speak, right? And then besides that, remember something: deaf ears. But God said what? His word won't return void. It'll accomplish what He said it. You just keep your faith against that. You plant, you water. Those people, that bird, is going to follow them to the grave. It will never leave them. It will be with them their whole life. And if they decide to change their heart, it'll be right there. That guy said, I just have to receive Jesus. And, you know, whatever you said to him, it'll, it'll follow them. I've known people that gotten saved on, on someone who's witnessed them years later. <laughs> years later. Actually, Kenneth Copeland was one of them. Do you know who he is? Yeah, he, he didn't get saved till he was like in his late 20s. But he, decided, he just realized he needed God. I mean, his mother, his mother was a Christian. She was praying for him all the time. And he was just like, oh, what can I do? And he said that the voice of his, like, seventh or eighth grade Sunday school teacher came back to him, <laughs> telling him what he had to do. To ask. So point being is that God's word won't return void. So, so don't be discouraged by that, right? Yours, yours is the obedience. God's part is the results. You can't, you can't make anybody turn. You can just be obey. But anyway, so they're walking according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who works in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh. Notice that this is how people give him access. It's, they're conducting themselves in the lust of the flesh. But they're really, by doing so, they're submitting to the prince of the power of the air. That's his thing, Right? We talked about this before. The three avenues, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is what he used to lead people around. And they're not leading their own lives. They think they are, but they are really being led by, by the nose with whatever carrot will lead them. And I mean, notice Paul here said that we all, we all once conducted ourselves. Because that's, that's significant, because he's talking to um, a Gentile people that got saved at Ephesus, their past was that, and his past was, a, was a, a Jewish religious Pharisee, which would probably be about the equivalent of a Hasidic rabbi right now. But So they're living this life. Their worship services were basically sex orgies. I mean, you know, a very loose, sexually immoral, whatever it is, you know, feels good, do it type of society. And he's a religious Pharisee. Same devil. We all... He doesn't care what side of the ditch he has you on. As a matter of fact, the religious guy is in worse shape. So this is why we're being in the flesh can't please God. 
And, and it's a nature to be children. It's their nature, he said, to be children of wrath. Over in chapter 4, he said, This I say and in testify, in in testify in the Lord, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles did. Don't, in other words, stop living your life like them. How, how did they live? Obviously, you know, the, the immoral choices and things that they now are finding out that is, is against, contrary to God, obviously stop that. But just, just this natural, having, in the futility of their minds, he said. In the futility or the vanity of your mind. You have to get past just your mind, your intellect. You have to get past that. You'll never get to exactly where God wants you to be until you do. If you always have to figure everything out and, and see everything and you're, not, and you're never willing to just go by faith and trust God, you're really never going to get there. We walk by what? Faith, not by sight. It says that they have their understanding darkened and being alienated from the life of God. So guess what? If you're not, if you're, and again, see, pay attention to that, the fruit of the Spirit, Right? I mean, I hope you're all at a place where you're starting your day with prayer. And you're getting in the presence of the Lord. Right? Just stay there. Just stay there. When, when, you know, like I said, when you know. You've got the joy. You've got the peace. You know whatever happens that day, God's got you back. That's become a habit of mine. Whenever an issue comes up during the, during the day to me, I'm just like, God, you got this. It's just a habit, and, and I say it out loud, too. Why? Because when you say it out loud, your mind has to stop thinking and listen to what you're saying because your mind starts telling you different things, and you just say it out loud. But the thing of it is, when you, get, when you start losing the fruit, you start getting stressed. You start getting agitated. You start getting impatient. You're actually, I want you to notice this, because he said, stop living like that because they are alienating themselves from the life of God. So are you. That's the thing. The, the spirit is much more powerful than the law of sin and death. The law of the spirit of them. Much more powerful. It just doesn't seem like that because he's a gentleman. He'll never force himself on you. Never. You have to invite him. But if you invite him, he'll never turn you down. He'll never turn away. He's a, he's a complete and total gentleman. But he needs your will. He needs you, to, he needs you to submit to him willfully. And they're alienated from God because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart. I'm going to take you all the way back to chapter 1 where we, I mean, this is a while back now, but we looked at this. This is what they're saying. Because although they knew God, they didn't glorify them as God, nor were thankful but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. So, this is talking about unbelievers, when they knew God. Guess what? Seems, seems to me, if this verse is true, and I believe it is, everyone comes to a place where God reveals himself to them. You know, this is how, and we talked about this before, but this is how, how I believe God's, well, is going to rightly judge the world. Even people, they say, well, what about someone who's never heard the gospel? They didn't want it. They didn't want it. Anyone who's ever 
sought God, he reveals himself to them. Evening, guys. Andrew Womack has a whole book on this verse. He turns it around backwards. It's titled, Staying Full of God. So this is how to drain yourself of God. He teaches you turn it around and, and reverse it the other way. Because when you know God, if you glorify him as God, if you're thankful, you become fruitful in your thoughts and your hearts are, are full of light. <laughs> just, just turn it and go it backwards. So stay thankful. Always glorify him as God and stay thankful. That's easy, right? Okay, back in Ephesians. Put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Okay, put off the old man. Your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. How do you put him off? By, it says, by being renewed in the spirit of your mind. I look at that a little bit differently. Because I like to, you guys, some of you who know me well enough by now, know I like to consider everything that an epistle says and weigh it against any given verse, right? So point being is in chapter 2, he already told us that we used to walk according to one spirit, right? The prince of the power of the air, the spirit at work in the children of disobedience. But now we walk in a new spirit. In other words... I look at it as what he's saying is change the spirit your mind is listening to and put on the new man. The new man is the spirit on the inside of you. Just a quick recap on the human condition. It says that you put on the new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now you don't put on the new man like a coat. You don't go to the closet and get the new man out of the closet and put him on like clothing. The new man is on the inside of you. The new man, God's saying, let him work his way to the outside of you. Take the new man on the inside and put him on, on the outside. Now, how do you do that? By being renewed in the spirit of your mind. <clears throat> See, there's, there's three parts to the human person. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul puts it this way. Now may the God of peace sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So if we are, according to this verse, if our spirit and soul and body is preserved blameless, then our whole entire person is sanctified. So our whole entire person consists of spirit, soul, body. Right now, if Jesus Christ is your Lord, your spirit is sanctified. As a matter of fact, Ephesians chapter 1 says you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the guarantee or the down payment on the rest of your salvation. The redemption of your body is going to be later on in this chapter, and that's coming. But your spirit is sealed. It's preserved. Your soul is under the process. Your body will be reborn 
at the coming of the Lord, the rapture of the church. So, I want to look, I got a little diagram here. Sorry about the, it's kind of choppy because I transposed it from an, it's from an old lesson I did and, it's, and I did this one in uh, PowerPoint. So transposed it over to Keynote and it looks like that. But there's two parts to you. Spirit is the part of you that got born again. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he told him, you, you have to be born again. We all know that scripture, John 3. Okay, in verse 6, he said that which is, I mean, Nicodemus didn't understand what he was talking about. Most people don't understand. When you say you're born again, they think that you're just part of some kind of fanatical sect or something like this elite club you join. You know, I, and I just tell people, no, it's not that at all. It's a real thing that happens to you. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, if we're in Christ, we're a new creation, you literally become a brand new spirit. Your spirit comes alive to God. Your soul, the Greek for soul is actually the word psyche. Your soul, it is your mind, your will, your intellect, and your emotions. Point being is, and I did this narrow, this diagram like that because the spirit is the innermost man. The soul is in contact with both the spirit and the body. The process of renewing your mind or being renewed in the spirit of your mind, changing the spirit you're listening to, is, is what you're doing here. This is why we do this sort of thing. You know, it's, and you take what you apply and you meditate it and you incorporate it and you, get it and you get it ingrained in your thinking. And then what happens is your mind begins to harmonize with your spirit and it allows your spirit to pass through it and dominate your life rather than, rather than the, other, the opposite. If I go another slide, you could see out here, because you're always facing pressure from the outside, right? I mean, I don't know if you even noticed this, because um, I've noticed it. I noticed it a long time ago. I don't remember what it's like to have fear come from me. I used to, you know, people say, oh, my heart just jumped into my... Well, that doesn't happen anymore. Why? Because I don't have the spirit of bondage again to fear. I, there's fear, there's no fear in me. Fear has to present itself to me and I have to accept it. It comes at you like, like a pressure from the outside. Like the world, the prince of the power of the air, he's putting pressure on you, right? Every day. He wants you to get agitated. He wants you to be distracted from the things of the spirit and live in the things of the natural. So he can begin to manipulate you. We saw once we get into the natural, you're in his, you're in his home turf, and he, can, and he can manipulate you. He can, you know, did you ever act out of frustration, act out of jealousy, act out of anger? Well, you fell for his trap. And when, you, and when your mind begins to meditate on those things, those things begin to penetrate, and they, and they, and they bottle your spirit up. So, so you're like, you know, Jesus said, you don't light a candle and put a lampstand over it. What's the point? It's to be lit, right? Your spirit is on fire right now. It's burning brightly. The Holy Spirit himself is, is co-inhabiting is co with you. But he needs the permission, he needs you to harmonize with him. 
You know that scripture, there's a scripture in Isaiah 55 that everyone always gets wrong. They always apply it to themselves. And I always want to say, I don't usually do it, maybe I should. It's, 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 you've heard it. For his ways aren't our ways, and his thoughts aren't our thoughts. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are his ways higher than our ways, and our thoughts, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. You ever heard that, right? He's talking to backsliders, right? If you back up a couple of verses, he said, let the unrighteous forsake his way and the wicked forsake his thoughts and return to me. So what's God saying? Why are they wicked? Why are they unrighteous? Because they aren't thinking like God and therefore they aren't acting like God. What God is saying, stop doing that and start, I got a higher way, you should be thinking like me. And that's when he goes on to say, that's, that's how, what my word does that goes out of my mouth. It's here to, to correct your thinking. Stop thinking like they do. When you get born again, your spirit is lit. You want to harmonize with it. I got a little thing here. So you, so you want your spirit has to pass through the soul. And once that happens... Your body has no choice but to go along. I mean, do you ever do things, go, hopefully you have at least gone for seasons where you're pretty much in the spirit and the spirit and the spirit, and then, and, then, and then you foul up, right? Go ahead. Yeah, well, that's why you, well, you that's why you, you got to work at keeping yourself stirred up. You know, he, I mean, God told Joshua, in order to do things right, he said to meditate on, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, because he said the book of the law, but I'm paraphrasing it for the New Testament. Meditate on his word day and night, day and night, day and night. Just get it totally ingrained in you. And yeah, you know, it's a process. And the best thing you can do when you do mess up is forgive yourself and press forward. You can't, you, condemning yourself isn't going to help. First of all, the sin was paid, was bought and paid for, right? God forgives you, and, and, and it's the devil that's, that's the one who's going to condemn you over it, right? But you, so you, you're changing the way you think. And well, I'm not going to talk about that now because uh, I'm just about out of time, and it's going to come up later, but. Praying in the Spirit is huge, huge. I'll, we'll get into that. But here, here, you know, here was, here's a promise for you, okay? We are not in the flesh, and i got good news for you in a minute here too. We are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Remember we talked about God's promises? We talked about eternal truths, those of you who were here? Well, this is one of them. Eternally, positionally, you know how the Bible says you're healed, you're righteous, you're provided for, all those, these are all eternal truths. Here's another one. You're not in the flesh. Is the Spirit of God dwelling in you? Then you are in the Spirit. Positionally, eternally, in the Spirit. You just got to keep conditioning yourself to act like it. 
So verse 10, if, if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness, because of right standing with God. The body's dead, the spirit is life. But you know, like again, the dead thing has no choice but to go along. Look what the next verse says. If the spirit of him who raised up Jesus from the dead, and this is, this is huge. This is something for you to believe for. For sin, sickness, whatever. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit that dwells in you. His, if, if his spirit dwells in you, he raised Jesus from the dead, it's going to give life to your mortal bodies. Your body's dead, the spirit will give it life, and it'll give it life to live the life of the spirit. And again, I went back and thought about this several years back, and because uh, actually God gave me this scripture to believe for, for a situation in my body. And it dawned on me, that the example of the Spirit giving life to someone was already given in this epistle, in chapter 4. Abraham and Sarah. Right? Abraham, it said, when Abraham's considered his body now dead, or the deadness of Sarah's womb now dead, Sarah, who was 90 years old, no, Sarah, I think, she, no, she was 80, Abraham was 90. Or maybe she was already 90. She was already 90, right, Marty? And Abraham was 100. Point being, is, and Sarah couldn't have children when she was in her 20s and 30s. Now she's 90. And Abraham is 100. So they're both past natural, the ability to reproduce, right? But the spirit that raised Christ from the dead quickened their mortal bodies, that they had a child. They had... The child of promise, because God promised them a child. Therefore, and this is another huge one, we are debtors not to the flesh. This one set me free 40 years ago. I, was, I had a lot of bad, I, I think I told you guys, I was pretty much into drugs and stuff when I was a teenager into my 20s before I got saved and just like that sort of thing. That, but I got delivered from that, most of that pretty quickly within the first couple of months. But the thing that I really couldn't, that I really struggled with, believe it or not, more than all those other things was cigarettes. I was, I was a two-packer a day. And one day I'm reading this scripture and it exploded on me. We are debtors not to the flesh. Do you know what that means? Because your flesh says do it doesn't mean you have to. And, I, and actually, the Spirit put it this way to me, because I smoked Winston's, two packs a day. And he said, see that? You don't ever have to have another Winston. Just because your body says, I want to smoke, doesn't you can tell it, no, you know. <laughs> I was free like that. I'm going to just read this in the New Living Translation, and then we're going to close. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. You don't have to. Do you understand that? You don't have to fear. You don't have to stress. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be scared. You don't have to overeat. You don't have to, you don't have to do any of those things just because your body feels like it. You have within you the capacity to say no. If you're ever with me and, I'm not, and I seem to be not doing anything or just 
out of the blue, because I do this sometimes, and sometimes people say, what? Because I'll just, I'll just say, no, out of nowhere. What, what, what? Just, Never mind. <laughs> I'm talking to myself. And I'm not going to tell you what I said, no, because it was a lie anyway. <laughs> Amen. Yeah. <laughs> so, Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you for tonight. I thank you for just this opportunity to share, and I thank you for blessing the fellowship of the rest of the evening. In Jesus' name, amen.